Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. This is Countercharge, and I'm Kyle Timberlake. And I'm Tom Annis. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. And that's right, I have two Basilean aficionados. And we're going to be doing, like, you. I know you guys have listened to the uh, completely fair-minded, balanced, non-alcohol-influenced Elf Review with Keith Randall and Mike Austin. So next on that sort of list is going to be our first impression Basilean review. And on the show, I have Kyle Timberlake uh, from the Southern California region and then uh, Tom Annis from Texas. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, doing good. Busy Halloween weekend, but uh, ready to talk Kings of War. And how are you, Tom? Is your your house isn't burning or in an earthquake or anything? You're good. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm good. I lost a fence, but other than that, I'm still here. So I uh, just got two version three Kings of War games in this weekend. So uh, both of Basilea. Pretty pumped to get the edition going and uh, talk about it tonight. So first off, I thought we would do, you know, we've had, uh, we've kind of given our thoughts, but you guys haven't really been on the show since third edition came out. So Kyle, why don't you go first? What are your first, uh, before we get into Basilean specifically, did you have anything that jumped out at you looking uh, at third edition or any sort of just general Kings of War take takeaways now having had a chance to look at third a little bit? Third edition general, I'm just, I'm just really happy with the cleanups and stuff they did. The one inch bounce back is my favorite thing. Like a lot of people, it just makes the game that was already clean and and running well even faster. And I'm a I'm a fast player. I like uh, getting games done as fast as possible. So anything that helps that makes me happy. Cool. And what about you, Tom? Um, general third edition takeaways, and then you know maybe uh, we'll we'll segue into more specific Basilean stuff. But what is your sort of general any general third edition takeaways? Yeah, yeah. I think overall the book is. I think it's really a triumph for Mantic. They should be really proud of it. Um, you know, the lore is just light years ahead of where it was, and it was something that some everybody was asking for, so they, I think they delivered 100% on that. And from what I can tell, the rules are very balanced. Like, There's nothing that jumps out as, you know, they missed this or anything. And so I think the RC had a pretty difficult task, and I know – you know, Jeff Swan's down the road for me. So just talking to him, I know how much time they put in. So uh, I think they should be really proud of themselves as well. Mechanically, it, it doesn't seem to play that differently, at least from what I can tell from like just a couple games and reading through the rules. There's a couple new tricks I think everyone's going to learn from reading or the hard way in it when it's done to you in a game. But uh, overall, it's, it's Kings of War, which I think is good. And I think the big difference is going to be the type of list that people are going to bring, the unit types, the unit sizes. I think that's where it's going to be different than, than version 2. That was sort of like one takeaway I had in my third edition game so far is that it really just feels like second edition but cleaner with different units, like new toys. I would have to say, too, I think you know my initial impressions now having been with the book for a little while is... Uh, from a lore art perspective, 
it it's, is a very very beautiful book. You can tell all the uh, the effort put into it. So I think positive wise, that definitely hits me. I think, you know, we still see sort of the the every now and then, you know, maybe the the typo or that we wouldn't want to see or. I know there's been some issues with the release of people not getting their books, but, you know, I think Mantic's a pretty good company in that they, they learn from their mistakes, and this book is definitely a step up in quality from second edition, but with anything, I think there's always room to improve. That's one thing I would love to see, you know, moving forward is just tightening up certain areas, but uh, this is like one of the first Mantic products that I've really just sat with and read and looked at all the pictures and been sort of um, inspired by the art. I mean, some of the art is just so great in it. So in general, uh, my I'm pretty much all positive as far as my initial impressions with maybe just a little bit of, of hoping they you know continue to tighten up their distribution on big launches like this, tighten up a little bit maybe on the editing side, but... Uh, it definitely is like what Tom said. Uh, you could tell all the hard work that went into this book. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, so first off, why don't we do uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, the army lists in third edition are divided into like infantry, range infantry, large infantry. So we're going to sort of go through each of the, those sections and kind of do like what are we're not going to read stat lines or go unit by unit. But we're going to talk a little bit about what are the big winners, what maybe are some of the big losers, what's changed, how's that going to affect Basilan and play style stuff like that but first you know you guys kind of have mentioned a little bit but you know how when we did the army review the Baselane army review we did sort of the 15 minute elevator pitch you know why play Baselanes uh Tom why don't you go first has your 15 minute Baselane elevator pitch changed since second edition and if so like what's your new sort of pitch on if someone's asking you why do i play this army in third edition um that's a good question i i think my pitch would be for third edition at least assuming you're familiar somewhat uh with how basile played in version two is to me it it plays a lot more like what the lore says it should play like you know um it's not going to be like i was doing a couple Alohi hordes, a couple knight regiments and, and chariot regiments, you know, all the fast stuff. I think you actually do need to bring infantry to have a, a strong list um, in version three. And that, to me, is how the lore always read. Just normal normal guys on the front line and being saved by either the paladins or the Alohi coming in at the right time. So that's that would be my pitch, I think. And what about you, Kyle? I know, and it's kind of like spoiler alert, alert but your sort of style of Baselanes that you've played pretty much all through second edition is, I think, as we talk about the new army sort of structure, uh, you must be a pretty happy camper right now because you've already been playing some of these things, which are maybe you've gotten a little bit better in third. But what would you, be your sort of pitch if someone was going to be like, hey, why should I play Baselanes in third edition? Yeah, well, it's all part of my master plan for years now to change the list to uh, my play style because I'm that good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the big thing with Basilia now is do you like your enemy bouncing off your units and then healing all the wounds they did and then punching them in the face with various different ogres and dragons and flying angels and things like that? Come join our side. 
we have cool fragments you can eat and take wounds off as well. Yeah, I mean, I really think it, 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 it's fitting that the first section that we're going to talk about is the infantry section, because I think as both you guys sort of uh, uh, alluded to, this to me is the biggest change in the d- general direction of the army. Not to say that you couldn't have played a Basilean army previously with a strong infantry center, but I think it's Alpha Strike and it's speed elements and components were just so good not that many people played infantry but i mean for me and let's do sort of like the big winners first and then we'll talk about maybe some of the infantry that didn't do super great but for me i think one of the big winners for the infantry section is paladin foot guard and sort of that addition of being able to give one of them the defender upgrade which gives the six inch elite aura so I think we're already seeing it already, Tom, right, is a lot of Vaseline players are sort of switching to that uh, multiple Paladin infantry regiments as a, a formidable center in their lists. Yeah, yeah, we have a nice little Vaseline mafia going. They'll talk to each other on Facebook, and I think that's we've come up with our first net list, uh, quote-unquote, uh, which is includes three regiments of those guys. It, it just jumps off the page as the obvious way to – to build uh, Basilands. And uh, I think that, you know, Grind is definitely the strongest version of Basilands in, in version three. Arguably, it was the strongest in version two as well. For me, at least, what really makes an infantry grindless work are, are the Palace Ogres, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later. But, but just as an overall um, thought, the reason I didn't do grind in version two as much is because I felt like the speed with the knights and the Elohi, which would be your second wave coming in, was kind of wasted. And so I shied away from that a little bit. But now I think, you know, it's going infantry anyway. Palace Ogres only came out, you know, in the last uh, Clash of Kings edition. So I think they were too late to really affect the type of list we we're seeing. But now that they're here, they're regular. Um, and the other infantry is all really great. Um, it's just a, you know, it's light years ahead as a grind army, I think. Yeah, you know, it has all these components, like you said, some that are outside of the infantry section, and we'll talk about. But you mentioned it, Kyle, the uh, the Aegis fragment, which is the sort of the army themed Basilean upgrade that for five points you get an additional Iron Resolve point, and that may seem sort of like small. But like you said, Basilean is about like chipping and reverse chipping. So you reverse chip off damage in so many ways, and we did it in the past with Iron Resolve and Heal, but now you have Iron Resolve, you have additional Iron Resolve from uh, from, uh, the Aegis Fragments, you have Healing Auras from Samarchrist or Phoenixes. So it seems like uh, we're going to be able to like you said, just grind off that damage. Just There's just more ways now to chip away at that damage. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if you think about it, if they pass their nerve check and you have healing auras, they'll be able to heal three damage off before you even cast any heal spells. Uh, and if you, I think it's, this going to be one of those armies people are going to have to plan to absolutely guarantee a kill of each unit or they're going to run into problems of just a swamp they can't get through. And fifteen seventeen uh, nerve on defense five uh, is pretty good. And then also it gives you the really interesting, which is like uh, uh, a, a recent wrinkle is uh, you can always, if you want to really take advantage of that 
elite, you can drop maybe uh, one or two or uh, of the additional units of Paladin Foot Guard that are getting that Defender Aura, give them plus one Crushing Strength, which could be nice because when you do bounce, getting a Paladin Regiment into a flank, 24 attacks on threes with Elite and Crushing one, and then if you Bane Chant, Crushing two, I mean, that's all of a sudden you've turned in this sort of like infantry wall into that's like a legitimate hammer stats yeah i read the uh the forlorn guard a lot in uh, version two and their thing was they were same stats as paladin foot guard but fearless with crushing one and the amount of side charges they got off and just destroyed things with that is was pretty big and, and putting a lead on top of that is going to make them uh, pretty scary and i think tom has a good idea with the uh two guys with crush one and then one regiment as the defenders with defense five and if you can pr- protect them correctly and get good charges off, they're gonna they're gonna munch through things pretty well. I do think there might be something to do with multiple troops of uh, the Crush One versions. Uh, it might be a bit harder to play, but having multiple of those units get the uh, elite aura, there's something possibly there. I mean, definitely have to play test that a lot, but there's one thing I was thinking. Yeah, I think the uh, whether to go defense five or do defense four Crush One on the the two non-Paladin uh, Defender regiments that you probably are going to take is a debate that's going to last probably throughout the edition because I don't think there is a right answer. You know, Defense 5, from what I can tell, is just really, really powerful in this version. Um, and so, you know, the hammers hit less hard, which which is just exacerbated when your, your defense is higher. Uh, but at the same time, if you especially if you're running a list... Um, which doesn't have Bane Chant in it, I think the Crush one is really valuable, and the Elite just makes it go you know, even further. And so I, there's pluses and minuses to both. You know, I think the Aegis Fragment is pretty, pretty auto-include. It's just really good. From what I understand, you can choose when to use it. So if you get you know, some early shooting damage, um, maybe you don't use it then because you can heal before you get into combat, and then that one critical charge when you would you really need to heal to get a big heal you can pop it for two um so it's just it's really really good i think yeah i think pretty much any any unit any unit that can take it is going to take it i mean it's really uh you know would you take an automatic free heal two on a steady nerve roll for five points i mean that's like the best thing you can expect from the healing brew yeah, it's actually better because I think the healing brew is you have a chance of getting one or two. So exactly. Um, and the other, the last thing that I can think of why <laughs> regiments are so good is there's a little trick now where if you have, let's say, you have uh, one regiment and then in the middle we have two two regiments and in the middle is like a, a palace ogre reg, uh, a horde something that can corkscrew. Now with the disengage rules, if something charges into your foot guard and bounces, well, they don't actually bounce it more, they just stay there, which means you can disengage back an inch, and then that perfectly sets up the ogres to corkscrew in. So that's a, and that's not just Vaselines, that's pretty much any infantry regiments, but something in the middle can, that can corkscrew can pull off that trick, and that's, that's a super powerful uh, tactic, I think. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of experimenting with, um, uh, how the new engage rule can be used for tactical advantages. 
one other win before we sort of go into the loss, uh, which unfortunately I think is a big loser for the Vaseline list, is I still like Spearmen. Spearmen have a uh, and Men at Arms in general, but the Spearmen especially, they now come with a slightly reduced cost but with lower nerve. So you you can then buy a veteran command upgrade uh, that will sort of bring them back up to previous nerve. So you have an option to get them at a little cheaper. But even a horde of spearmen with the upgrade, it still comes in five points less expensive than the horde of spearmen from the last edition. Because with the upgrade, they go to 220, and I believe they were 225. Plus, phalanx is a lot better now. So I think the horde of spearmen is very viable uh, as you know, depending on how important Phalanx becomes in the meta, if it really does become where everyone takes it, I think Basilians have a nice option to pick up Phalanx in those Spearmen uh, hordes. Yeah, I'd also think uh, I'm a big fan now of the Troop of Spearmen, because I've been running the Troop of Swordsmen as Chaff for a long time, but for 10 points more, you get Phalanx and two more attacks. It's not, uh, that's not a bad payoff at all. Uh, and it's still pretty resilient. It's even more dangerous to anything that's not infantry. You know, eighty and eighty points is pretty cheap. I mean, once you're in the like the sixty to seventy-five to eighty-ish points-wise for troops, I mean, that's not a bad value for just getting your way. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and the other thing too for the men at arms uh, swords is they're 105 points, uh, 115 if you give them the veteran command for unit strength three, which is just a ton of unit strength for not very many points. And so I think you can see swordsmen um, in, in that sort of like three, two formation instead of the foot guard, if you're trying to squeeze points, um, that's perfectly, perfectly viable. Uh, and the spearmen, yeah, I mean, if you just, with the way phalanx is now, you have a horde of spearmen, they can basically hold a flank by themselves, I think. And, you know, give them for strength, give them the hammer, and they just, you know, they're going to grind out any cav regiments and just shut down charge lanes. It's really, really super powerful. Yeah, you know, I think any any one of those uh, of the men at arms and paladin foot guard really attest to that Vaseline really has some of the the better just all around defensible, steady infantry. And like you said, it really does fit their sort of theme of having like well paid for well-disciplined, well-trained troops. So losers, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, and I know uh, Tom and I have talked about it, Kyle not so much, but I know he's he hasn't really ran them, run them that much, but I don't know. I just feel like that Sisterhood infantry is, is sort of in this middle ground where it's not quite a berserker horde. It's not quite an elite infantry horde, yet it's kind of in this weird middle spot. I don't know. What do you guys think about the Sisterhood? Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan. I never played him much in in V2 at all, so I don't have experience from that. I do think looking at other armies like the Palace Guard Horde, and uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to use Soul Reaver Infantry regiments a lot now. A, a Sisterhood Infantry Horde does hit pretty hard. You have Bane Chain support and a Magic item on them. Uh, they can do a lot of damage in one round, and all of a sudden you're not grinding, you're punching through things. So there might be something with the Horde itself, but it is a lot of points you're paying for a unit hitting on fours. Uh, so it could be a bit of a up and down uh, thing through a tournament. So, but overall not, they have a lot of rules that do stuff that I'm not sure I'm always going to need to use or have. Yeah. I think 
you know, going up 25 points on the Horde and 15 points on the Regiment is tough, uh, especially because they lose Headstrong. Um, I think because Crushing Strength is more valuable and they have a point of Crushing Strength, plus I guess they're paying points for Wild Charge. I'm not sure how, how valuable that is, but I probably wouldn't look at the Horde. Um, the Regiments are interesting if you're going to try to checkerboard. You know, they're sort of a cheaper version of what I'd like to do with the um, the Ogre Palace Guard. Uh, it's just a different, slightly different setup to make sure that they have a gap they could see through. I could see them doing that. They're, you know, with the shooting being uh, made less powerful, it's less likely they're going to get shot off uh, before they can get into combat. Uh, but I think where the real money is is in the troops now because they went up two attacks. They still have, you know, the same stats and only went up five points. So I think... It's a little bit more difficult to make it work, but I think the troops are pretty good. Um, it can definitely, can definitely be a part of a, a competitive list. It's just you gotta, you gotta learn how to use them, uh, which I honestly haven't figured out exactly how to do, but I, I recognize the, the value there. Yeah, you know, I like, I like them in the troop. That is a good, uh, observation and that they do pick up a couple of those attacks i think i'd like them a lot more and i think thematically they would work more whether or not you make you make them fearless are i don't quite get taking away headstrong from them um but i mean like you said we're still so early in the edition i'll preface this again these are all just like our initial thoughts guys this is uh what uh the three of us having played and thought about vaselines a lot over version two uh we could be in six months from now, we all could be totally wrong. So these are not, we're not saying anything's horrible or, or is going to turn out to be horrible for the whole edition. These are just our initial thoughts. What we sort of take off this for sort of, you know, first weekend of having the book and getting games in. So, um, okay. So next on the list is ranged infantry. I think the crossbows are, are, are pretty much, still crossbows you got pot shot which i guess is nice um i think the sisterhood scout in a regiment i played with this uh and i i really like this unit uh at 160 points i i um i like being able to scout into terrain you know they mentioned this on the elf review on how you have to give an a halt order in a terrain not to receive cover while shooting out of it that first turn so i think scout is very powerful on four plus shooting in that you can move into train get all set up so that that first turn you're shooting on fours and you know 10 attacks on fours with vicious is not bad um and they have steady aim my only fear uh and this hurt me in my game which is their unit strength two as opposed to unit strength three so against any other regular unit strength regiment they're going to lose out a board section or our objective or whatever but in general, I, I like the Sisterhood Scouts. Um, what about you, Tom? Do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts on sort of these two ranged units? I think the Horde of Crossbowmen is slightly better because it's still Defense Four, and all the piercing shooting has gone away pretty much. Uh, I guess except for the sort of like the harpoon gun type units, and so it can return. You know, sort of get into a shooting match and survive a little bit better. I think potshot as a role is okay. My my thought was, if you just let crossbowmen, uh, all types of crossbowmen units move and shoot for the fir- without penalty for the first turn because they're you know kind of coming into battle with their crossbows already loaded, 
that might be that was my fix for them. Um, but they're they're fine. I mean, I I could definitely see a horde as a as a center of a battle line. Um, the Sisterhood Scouts, they're you know having the regiment size make, makes them really interesting because they're nerf fourteen sixteen, uh, which negates their low defense somewhat because you're probably going to need to shoot them twice to kill them. Um, and like you mentioned, that that scout rule really some of the, these type of units don't have that, and I think the ones that do are slightly come out ahead just because of that halt uh, cover change. So I, I really like them. I think. You know, one one overall takeaway that I didn't mention is that Vaseline now is chaff, which was is a huge change from version three. Uh, and I can see two uh, troops of these uh, Sisterhood Scouts is is pretty good chaff through infantry battle line. So I I like them a lot. My only problem is that you can't really get your hands on the models, the Mantic models, very easily. Uh, so that's probably going to push me away from at least at the beginning of the edition. You know, and that's been one for me, too, because I've been looking at sort of, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but regiments of Sisterhood Scouts are the same cost as Alohi regiments, and they can somewhat fit similar roles in, you know, harassing, controlling board space, you know, do, they can do sort of what's kind of, kind of some similar getting rid of chaff, you know, similar roles, but one is uh, I have the models for, and the other especially if you want to do a PMC, trying to get a hold of 15 Mantic Sisterhood Scouts is really tough. And it's too bad because they are really cool models. I love all the Basilean Vanguard stuff, so it's just unfortunate um, that they don't... Uh, I mean, I guess if you're starting from scratch, you can get the new Basilean Mega Army, which has the Scouts in it, but I really wish that they made it easier to purchase the Vanguard models... Or, or or did something outside of the Mega Army releases because I really do think that they are missing out on some sales. But um, what about you, Kyle? How, did you ever uh, really run any crossbowmen in your version two list? I don't think I ever remember seeing you running any crossbowmen. Yeah, no, I never ran a crossbowmen. I always had a, a wild hair idea of a pike and shot type Basilian army, just kind of like a historical thing that was fun. Uh, I never pulled the trigger on that, but with uh, War Wizards getting Lightning Bolt now, there might you have you have a lot more a better chances of doing good amounts of wounds before combat even starts with a Basilia now. Um, and the Sisterhood Scouts, uh, unlike uh, the infantry, I think they they have all the correct uh, special rules. But steady aim especially is really nice on them, and it gives you a lot of options. You don't always have to scout ahead. You can put them off the side and, and run them up as a harassing unit and they have enough uh, nerve to hold up uh, something. So there's there's more options now for a Basilian shooting army than there was in version 2 for sure. I definitely agree with that in that um, my first game I ran scouts, heavy arbalists and war wizards swapping lightning, swapping fireball out for lightning bolt 4 for free. And you definitely now have an option to play a combined arms Basilean list, but going towards shooting with some of our good breath options too. So I think that is, I mean, previously really hardly anyone had shooting in their Basilean list. Well, now I think it is a viable, uh, can be a viable component of an overall army strategy. And it's also slightly meta dependent too, because I think one, um, one idea people are going to have just looking at the rules as a whole is, well, shooting's not as powerful, so I'm going to go to the ensnare armies because 
everyone's going to be doing combat and what's what's the best counter to combat well that's that's ensnare and so um especially if you're like if i go over to jeff swan's house and he's rocking four hordes of depth horrors and you know i don't have any shooting then i'm going to really regret that and i have these scouts or maybe some crossbowmen i can shoot those stupid sharks off the board stupid sharks yeah and i think really what you bring up is like a good segue tom in that um Going into cavalry section, I really think the meta is really going to influence that. Because when it comes down to these cavalry options, it's all just about how big is Phalanx really going to be. I mean, outside of Phalanx, I I think the big winner, and it's something we've always wanted, I know I've always wanted, uh, for Bastelan, which is we now have beast packs dressed up in line panther costumes um, for Halloween. You know, fresh for Halloween, we now Gur Panthers have like viable cheap quick chaff and i played gur panthers in version two um mostly because i love the models you know i did i did think they were somewhat overcosted, but now we actually have i think gur panthers in the troop at 85 points is good and i I think even in the regiment uh for 130 points just for unit strength three is not bad either but um i'm personally a big big fan of the gur panther change yeah yeah definitely it's it's just a a role a unit in a role that we just didn't have last edition and so that's that's cool because they're not just you know slightly different panther lancers now you can have if you want that sort of 115 point or so troop to get on the flanks then you can still do that with the lancers but these guys you want true chaff you know that's that's the way to go i think they in my mind at least i'm going to go a different route for chaff but i think in version three, a lot of Vaseline armies should have about two units of chaff or so, and it's and you can do it now because it's cheap enough. Um, so yeah, I, I really like the Gur Panthers too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's nice now having a, a dedicated chaff, uh, fast chaff unit, and a in between unit with the Lancers. Uh, last edition, it was kind of like uh, which version do you want? They're both weren't the best at either. Uh, so I like having more options that way, more defined roles for those. I mean, the Gur Panthers were good last time. You get a, uh, in version two, you get Gur Panthers into the flank, and all of a sudden you're at 20 attacks on fours with TC1 and Vicious. You could do damage, but uh, that would only happen sometimes. Whereas when you when you when they would take a point of damage or two and then become wavered and then die, you know, at that above 100 points uh, level, uh, you really don't want your your you know on the, the 100 to 200 side point level of that 100 point chaff like demarcation line it's just those Gur Panthers were just tough when you lost them but for me the next on the list obviously is Paladin Knights and I think that this is going to be really dependent on how we see Phalanx I know already you know the Basilean Mafia is moving double it, it is taking our two regiments of Paladin Knights from the formation and then putting them on a horde base in that at least that way you have options <laughs> to, to grind against Phalanx units but having played against uh, Brinton and his 17 hordes of long axes that he brought in our last game um, yeah 17 it was crazy so um <laughs> Knights, knights, <laughs> knights and phalanx do nothing. It's just like I'm like giving those orcs back massages. 
So, uh, I mean, I like the Knight in a horde. I, 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 that's where I'm thinking they're going to go, or they're probably still valuable as regiments, maybe, if you're not playing against Phalanx. But the 16 attack Knight regiments are like the non-Soul Reavers or non-Mounted Suns, or I think these sort of middle, like, defensible but somewhat still semi-punchy Knights are good. But if you rely on Paladin Knight regiments to be your hammers, I think against a field at, like, an event, you're going to be hurting yeah i think the the knight regiment's like a utility piece it, it's a decent enough hammer that people were scared of it but it's not going to be an army killer but i also think with the new hill rule putting them on a hill having thunderous three uh with the strider item for 10 points they're going to get a thunderous three hitting on threes charge on something it's going to be scary uh so that's something to use for and then the horde it's that's going to be really the meta dependent i mean it's it's scary as hell uh, it's super expensive, uh, but if you get it off, just kind of like hordes were last round, uh, last edition. I know Todd Serpico mentioned taking two hordes, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how those uh, play out. So, okay, um, just backing up a little bit, uh, I think I think knight regiments are are definitely definitely still very good um, and can be part of part of most competitive types of Basilean armies. The thing is, though, that you just can't. You can't do what I was doing last version and basically rely on the army of all TC because uh, nobody took Phalanx in version two. And so you could exploit that uh, by taking a bunch of Thunderous Charge because you knew you wouldn't be running up against Phalanx. Now, it, it, I, don't even, I don't know how prevalent it's going to be. What I've seen early lists from different army groups and different friends who have sent me their lists are – People are just fleeing from knights because they're petrified about uh, of phalanx, and they're trying to build their list in a way where phalanx doesn't matter. So that means a lot of large infantry, a lot of just regular infantry, and so and so. It's a question about how how much phalanx are, you gonna, are we going to actually see? Um, I think because we have the palace ogres, we don't have to worry as much about phalanx because. If you run into one of those armies, um, you know that has one unit or so, just deploy the ogres across, and they're the, they're the perfect counter for for phalanx. Um, what, what gets tough is if if you run into like a triple phalanx build, but are, are seventeen are the seventeen horde build too? <laughs> right, right. Uh, but but even then, you know, I, they're they're paying points for that, and they're going to be weak somewhere else, and so there's. There's a way to overcome it, but you just can't build a list that could get completely blanked by that, and so you can't go can't go all TC basically. Um, I think where where the knight regiments are strong is that, like the elite vicious discount that uh, all regiments get apply to knight regiments, and so you can you can give them I think it's 20 points, which is I think a steal. It's basically the formation uh, the paladin knight formation from last version, just a little maybe 10 points more expensive, but. You know, it's still really good, and, and when you do that, they're they do eight wounds of defense five, which is my kind of definition of, of what a hammer unit is. And so, I think they're perfectly fine. It's, you can do Pathfinder and Strider. That's that's a really good combination if you don't want to do Elite Vicious. Um, so I think they have a lot going for it. I've been testing the Night Horde early on with Crushing Strength. Uh, it's been working out pretty well, but I could easily see myself after a few more games going back to the night regiments just to be able to spread out a little bit more and get more board control. But I think either way has a role. 
and you bring up a good point, right? Is that with those tiered items, you know, uh, night regiments, since we don't really, Bastion doesn't really have an, a regiment, uh, berserker, I guess, if you did sisterhood infantry, but knights seem to me, if you want to go for the regiment discount on sharpness or strength or whatever, the knight regiments are, uh, would take that really well. And I think Panzer Lanthers, Chariots are still okay, but again, it just it's all TC. And that's why at this point, it's just without knowing, you know, it's like I know that you're gonna that you're gonna take Phalanx. You know that I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that you know are gonna think that Phalanx is bad. So I think you, you think it's good. It's gonna be that meta of right of like right the, the iteration, yeah, yeah, of like how much Phalanxes are gonna be knowing that everyone's trying to anticipate what someone else is anticipating, you know. So it's just something I think at this point it's just too early to know what we're going to see. But it's just it's going to be interesting to see that uh, play out, being that a lot of our cavalry and cavalry in general uh, relies on that Thunderous Charge. So just going to be interesting. You know, it was nice to see that the Thunderous Charge only losing the one point, you know, that had gotten sort of errated is now part of the main game. So I'm glad to see that, especially with the buff, the phalanx, you know, or the, not losing all your thunderous and a hinder charge. Um, but I think the real hotbed, fellas, the juicy, tasty, I guess if you want to say debatable or hot button or controversial, I mean, we are playing with toy soldiers here, but I think the large infantry slot really is probably one of the more interesting, along with the hero slot, is a, of having some real change. Um, and to me, obviously, the big winner is Ogre Palace Guard are just boss. They're really good. Yeah, I think they're they're one of the best units in the game, possibly, or at least one of the best large infantry units. Um, just defense five, iron resolve. They lost Fearless, which to me, the only difference is I'm not going to put them out on like the front lines. Um, and if I do, I'm going to give them Headstrong and Fury. Triple 15 points, so they're back to that 250 price point they were in version 2. Um, you know, you can do a battle line just, just with them and maybe an infantry horde instead of uh, kind of the checkerboard that I've been starting out testing um, where you don't need, I don't think you need Headstrong Fury because ideally they're not getting hit first. They're just destroying whatever uh, hits your, your foot guard, for example. Um, yeah, I think they really are the unit that makes Vaseline's work in version three. The, the fact that they're regular, I don't really get. They're not, the, from what I understand, they're supposed to be kind of a rare unit, but I'm not going to complain too much about that. So they're, they're kind of the engine that drives the whole list, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, them being giving unlocks is huge because we're kind of uh, short on unlocks since Alohi are irregular. And if you're not taking a horde of uh, men at arms, you're that's your only other horde option for the most part, uh, unless you're uh, a crazy person and take uh, night hordes, which also makes you cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, I think the brutal is fantastic. It's just a good centerline piece. It's tough. It hits like a dump truck. It adds brutal. Uh, what what more can you ask for? And I think you're going to be running. Um at least one or two sources of Bane Chant in this new sort of melee-centric list. And Ogre Palace Guard with Crushing 3 and Brutal with 18 attacks on 3s. Wow, Mamacita. They're going to come out from behind their Paladin Guard friends and just punch people in the dome. Yep, and now you can buy regiment packs of them um, from Mantic, and so 
so we finally have the models which we've been waiting a year and a half for um so yeah they're they're all all good and I think they're probably one of the biggest winners as far as the whole army. I would say, you know, I think we, in the Basilean, uh, army review guys, we talked about the concept of the halo unit, right? The sort of the unit of why you play the army. And I think previously it had been the Alohi, but I think that crown has sort of been passed to the, pal- uh, the palace guard. Yeah, I can see that. It's definitely a, a an eye catching unit. Um, it's nice that Basilia has, we have a lot of good choices that, attract people but the ogre's palace guard is just a great unit to have you're never going to do a bad job if you take at least a, one of these units and then next i know that we've there's been a lot of talk about it um about the alohi and i think that uh, if you ask any basilane player they're going to talk to you not that it sucks or that it's untakeable but it's just role has changed whether or not you agree or disagree with what its role was before and you didn't like what its role was before, which was smashing you in the face and you go home and cry to your mama. Its role has just changed. So I think Basilean players who maybe have expressed not liking it is just more of just saying it, it, it's not like what it was. Um, I still think it's a great unit. I think, uh, as we've talked about before, and you know, um, uh, I'll curious to get your guys' thoughts on it, but I think the regiment is good. I think I actually probably like the horde still. Maybe with with brew of strength, you put it on on a flank as just like a denying a denying board space to your opponent. But it's just like a different unit, I think now than what it was. People right. been complaining about it. <laughs> you know, as Michael Jackson says, you got to start with the man in the mirror, Tom. Yeah, I think you're right with the uh, brew of strength uh, being on the horde. If, I mean, if you think about it, it's three ten with the brew of strength. And if you talk to a, a V2 Basilian player, it's like, hey, do you want to swap the, the Thunderous Charge with Crushing Strength for 10 points? They'd say yes every time. Uh, <laughs> so if you think about it that way, that's that's how I'm thinking of it right now. The Regiment's idea is pretty interesting, too. It's You can kind of not worry about taking characters and just use them as you're inspiring while also being a, a decently good uh, threat for uh, hint, uh, side charges and things like that. Uh, so there's things to fi- figure out although we aren't uh, a puzzle solved anymore yeah so my my kind of take on it is i don't mind that my my thing was i would have kept them with with tc1 um and the reason is because for me that the definition of a hammer unit is a unit that can do eight wounds to a defense five unit that's just kind of a threshold that i think i got from uh, patrick zor allen that's kind of how he conceptualizes it, and it makes a lot of sense. It means those 18 attack, hitting on threes, you know, either crush two or crush one, thunder one units do eight wounds of defense five, which means on average you waver uh, that unit. And so the fact that they lost the thunderous one means that they can't do that. They do, I think they do six wounds now to defense five. So to me, they're not a hammer unit. And so you can give one of them crushing strength, and get them back up to that um, that threshold, but you can only do that once, and you have the opportunity cost of not giving brew strength to, you know, like your knights or or something else, which I think is, is something you're really going to want to do. And so, you know, losing nimble is it's rough. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've been playing with two regiments in my uh, two version three games, and it's not even like going down twenty and and first turn in, in turning in which 
I get people hated that and it, it did feel like a little bit of easy mode sometimes. Um, but it's just like manu- those little maneuvers, you know, backing up and pivoting to get in a, in a, an arc or something. It's just, the, that's what I'm going to miss about nimble the most, not necessarily just the, the flying down the flank and turning in. But I, I get that, that lo- losing nimble is fine. Irregular is fine. It should have happened instead of the, uh, instead of the formation last, uh, cock pack. But what really got me was I was thinking, well, okay, they just don't want flying hammer, speed 10 hammer units anymore. That's fine. But then you look at the, the elf list, and it's like, well, the Drakons still have elite uh, crushing one and thunder's one. So they're still flying speed 10 hammers. So what's, why did the Elohi not, not keep that role? Can you imagine the Elf Army reveal review had they did what they did to Elf shooting and messed with the Dracon Riders? Keith Randall's head would have just exploded through the airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would have started just throwing feces at each other at that point. Well, I, I sympathize with Keith because it's it's kind of the same issue. Like it, people are saying, well, the the Archer unit dropped in points, so you, you know. But the point is, it's not the points; it's the role, and so. And so, yeah, the, they're totally usable, and archer regiments are fine, and Elohi are fine. It's just, it's a different role, um, which is okay. It's a new addition, but but that's that that's where it kind of came from. It was a little bit, you know, a little bit of envy, and a little bit of um, Todd Serpico posting from his fake fake Facebook account, which made me mad. It's really like what you said about role, right? That I think that. When roles change, you don't really know what that's going to do to an army until you get repetitions. You can make army lists all day, but sometimes you you don't really know how something's going to work until you actually play it. That's why often we see stuff when uh, cock packs come out or, or in the past where stuff has been said like this is going to be the new this is going to be the new bee's knees, and then it turns out not being that way at all, just because you don't know how it's going to be. So. I think Alohi are still good. They're interesting in the reg. I think I think there's going to be some really interesting uses of the regiment. Um, the horde may still be good, but I just wonder how many times that nimble was used in sort of these weird scenarios. That like even thinking about it, I can't remember how I used nimble with them until I played my first game with them, and I find I'm like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, oh I'm going to move them over. Wait a minute, I can't do that anymore. You know. So I think we're just going to have to wait and see. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, people start giving them the uh, nimble item and just run a dedicated uh, Bane champ behind them. Yeah, I could see one horde with Bruce strength on a flank with like a an Erlohi as the flanker. That that could definitely work. So they, they still have a role. I mean, defense five is is a fearless is a thing. Speed twenty uh, fly is still definitely a thing. I mean, I've got tons of flanks in both of the games that I've played with the Elohi regiment. So I think they're still an important part of the army. It's just you got to use them differently. i got to say one last thing. I'm kind of mad. This is the most thing that pissed me off most about the Alohi. Why don't the Alohi have Aegis Fragments? Aren't they the ones giving them out? Shouldn't they heal too? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I want to pay five points for them to heal too as well. This is They, they give them all away to all the uh, paladins and they ran out for themselves? What's, what's going on here? Unplayable. Never taking them. They're unplayable. I poo-poo on them. Unplayable. Unplayable. The slough is horrible. I hate it. It's horrible. And what are we even doing? Okay, so next on, just going through the list, let's touch briefly on the one Basilean uh, 
War Engine, the heavy Arbalist that now has two shots on fours, doing Blast D3 for only 85 points. I think this is not a bad unit if you're wanting drops and then you want to do a little bit of shooting if you want to go that way. Uh, I think that this... Uh, I've used these in my third edition games, and I think uh, I kind of like them. I think they're okay if you want to sprinkle in some shooting with these guys. Yes, yeah, it's decent. I mean, uh, the elf players don't like theirs for whatever reason, but I always thought a two-shot hitting on fours War Engine was... Uh, always a good thing to have around so i'm sure people will use it effectively yeah one thing that i'm expecting is is a really big increase in war machines and so if you take you know a couple of these as just a counter battery i think that could depending on what kind of armies you're seeing uh could be worth it all on its own and just hitting on fours it just means that it's going to do something most turns and the problem was with the old one hitting on fives you could just go the whole game and it did pretty much nothing and so it's definitely improved it's definitely takeable now um and it just kind of depends on, on how you want to set up your army if you're running an all height one um infantry battle line then i can see sticking a couple of these behind hitting those new uh, height six titan monsters so i think it's it's a good unit well, our Titan, this was a big change for us. The and I, When we talk about this unit, guys, I want us to also talk about Samacris, who's one of the unique units, as I think this is going to be a really interesting debate that we have, which is the Phoenix at 195 points, our Samacris, the mother of Phoenixes, at 195 points. You know, these units are very similar in what they do, minus like a couple small uh, things like Phoenix hits a little harder, but Samacris has Inspiring. The Phoenix has now lost Inspiring. Um, so where are you guys as far as sort of the the Phoenix versus Samacris or just like the Phoenix in general? What do you guys think? Uh, I'm a fan of taking one of both. Uh, I mean, my list right now has 15 heal plus two heal auras. That might be a bit too much. Uh, we'll have to play test and find out more. But I like Samarchus a lot just because it is a plug-in for the Phoenix. It's more of what what do you want in your army? Do you want the offensive uh, output of the Phoenix a little more and the extra height? Or do you want the higher defense, easier to hide because it's uh, height 5 and can be uh, behind Ogre Palace Guard and still could cover uh, Samarchus? Um, so it would be interesting to play around with that. If you're, if you're only taking one, which one do you take and and how that pans out and then shooting wise they're i think uh, the math it's they're both hitting the same or samarchus has a bit a little bit of an edge and damage even though her fireball's only eight because of the piercing so it'll be interesting to see how how that works with the, a more shooting basilian list if that matters yeah i think they're pretty comparable uh i give the edge to samarchus uh but the way i kind of think about it is if in your kind of center line maybe with foot guard and, and palace ogres you want one of these two in there and then you probably want another foot individual so maybe a priest or like danor and so what i think is if you're going to take samacris then you have the inspiring and so you can just take uh danor because he has vain chant and you're not doubling up on the inspiring for, for your center group if you're going to take a phoenix then i would take a priest who isn't uh, is inspiring just generally now and so that's kind of my initial thought is that's when i would take a phoenix you know the thing is it's height six versus height three so it's a lot harder to hide and i think smart players are going to be targeting that kind of central character but it does have it does have a much bigger base which i think will make a difference with the with the aura 
So that's that's one of the advantages. Um, I'm probably going to Sam and Chris maybe 75 percent of the time right now, um, unless I want multiple auras. Yeah, I think what Kyle says is really what we're going to see, right? If you want to, if you're going to run double Phoenix, or you ran double Phoenix in the past, I think running one Phoenix and one Sam and Chris makes sense. The real thing is going to be, well, if I'm only running one, what do I want it to be? Um, I'm leaning more towards wanting to run Samacris uh, in that I have a Uri Lohi model painted. So right off the bat, in uh, Jeremy Duvall's uh, Beat Laboratory, often if it's painted, it wins the day. It becomes the OP in my personal meta is it's painted. It's a good uh, system. I think so. Uh, often why I'll probably get to convince myself uh, of, that my horde of Elohi I'm taking to Masters is awesome because it's painted. But I think that, like you guys said, you, you bring up some good points. The Running two, one of each, I think is great. And it's just going to be what do you need when you're running um, only one. And that leads us into the, the characters. And you mentioned one, Tom. I think this is, in general, I don't know what you guys think, but I think the character section of Basileans is one of the sections of the armies that ha- that's had the most impact on version three i mean there's some really awesome changes with a lot of these characters i think yeah a lot of options uh it's it's, uh, it's kind of open range and what you're going to take there's plenty of good things to take and not a lot of bad things it's more of what role do you want them to play do you have a, a tool piece for each one yeah there's there's just so many things that were on my wish wish list that made it in you know the the priest getting general inspiring instead of inspiring penitence is was always uh you know a negative for me now i think a priest with bane chant and and the shroud is probably our best character you know the martyr's prayer we're the only army that gets martyr's prayer now i don't really love it to be honest um especially because you can have devastating and unless you're running multiple priests and you want to do one with shroud and one with martyr's prayer i i, I can't see martyrs being taken that often um, but then like the, the free lightning bolt swap on the wizards is just huge. That's something that I was wishing for, for years. And the fact that we have kind of like the kingdoms of men class hero now with the, the chaplain is just massive. I think, especially since individuals got cheaper in general, you can take, have an 80 point chaff unit with defense five, 11, 13 with headstrong and, so that's a really, really nice little chaff piece, and it's it's yielding, but you're pretty much always going to get a wound, and so I'm not too worried about that. So I'm, I'm in love with the chaplains right now. I think there's so much, so much good here. Like what Kyle said, there's a lot of good and not a lot of bad. The priest having inspiring is awesome. Uh, a war wizard with lightning bolt four for 75 points when you're swapping out fireball, I think, I mean, that is in the, like, taking three if i want to be a shooting build points almost at 75 points i think the uh, like you said the the mounted chaplain with three attacks on threes and crushing one um is great the high paladin i think is good too five attacks on threes and the defender upgrade which is all paladin infantry you want a high paladin or paladin chaplain on foot running around with your foot guard all of a sudden they're becoming elite as well so there's a lot of like really good stuff here. I would say as far as uh, losses, I'm not sold on the Abyss on a Panther Chariot change. Um, I really liked her before. I'm not quite sure about her. And the same thing with 
with I know Tom, you were a big fan of the Mounted Abyss, but it's almost like, do you get what you got out of the Mounted Abyss out of the Mounted Chaplain? Yeah, I think I think it just depends. Um, I can still see the Abyss as you know one thing that I think Basilian players are going to have to learn to or maybe learn again is how to deal with like multiple dragon lists which probably won't be as popular but they'll, they'll still be out there usually it would just be well I'll just put my alohi horde out there and and dare you to come in my charge range but now you know dragons won't be scared of alohi regiments and everything else is going to be less than speed 10 so having a speed 10 individual is still really useful and it's just like a slightly more efficient version because it has uh, defense four and dragons are crushed three so you don't really need defense five if you're going to try to ground a dragon for for two times. So I think that is when I would still take the Abyss. But but losing Headstrong on her is pretty painful because that was always so clutch. Um, she gets two more attacks, uh, but loses the thunders from mounting her. So it's kind of a wash. So yeah, I'm, I'm slightly down on her, but I could see that changing if you know, as I play more. So we still have a high paladin on a dragon, which is a sort of combo of the elder dragon and regular dragon. Uh, pre- in previous lists, it's on a big base, um, your standard kind of flying dragon. It is dash 19, which I like. I do like now, I think one interesting change is heal can now be cast on self. And you can give the paladin on a dragon heal 4. Which is actually an and an Aegis fragment, so I guess the the Elohi had enough fragments to hand out to guys on dragons, but still can't keep them for themselves. <laughs> but having heal four on a dragon while you're flying around getting position, that's actually not bad because that was one strategy. If you had a lot of shooting, you start pick start p- plinking wounds off a dragon, so then when you get it in the combat, you can kill it. But uh, heal four on a dragon, healing himself as he flies around is is pretty good. So I think I think this guy will be like sort of an interesting choice. I know Chris Fisher talked about the horde of Elohi being sort of replaced by this guy as doing something similar to that of flying up on your flanks, turning sideways, and then putting. You don't want this guy in your flank with twenty attacks on threes with crushing dragon, you know. Uh, so I think this guy's still good. Yeah, I like him a lot just because the heal is now an option instead of being forced on him, so you're not paying extra points if you don't want to. Uh, you made a good point of the heal can kind of make him self-sufficient. You can run by himself and, and do what he needs to if you want to, or if you don't want the heal, you can save points on it. Uh, but the in version 2, I think he was one of the worst point-for-point dragons in the game. Uh, but now he's fantastic. He has his own role. The, the Fearless 19 is great. Give him the item to have him always heal two off of Iron Resolve, uh, he can do a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, Dragon's Breath, and he's, he's he's one of my favorite dragons now. And I have a really cool model I'm excited to use again. Yeah, just having a Fearless 19 dragon with the Aegis Shard, which means he's essentially dash 21, and probably going to be way more than that by the time he goes down, if he ever goes down, uh, plus Crushing 3 in a game that's taking crushing strength off everything, but pretty much giants and dragons. Uh, plus like you guys talked about that heal, I probably wouldn't take it most of the time, but, uh, but it's a nice option. I think you really have to compare the dragon to Julius though. Um, Cause Julius, I think is th- uh, 315 points and the dragon with the Aegis fragment is 315 as well. And so I think there's, there's 
pluses and minuses, which I guess we can talk about when we get to Julius, but definitely a solid, solid option. Well, that's pretty much the last section for us to talk about, which is the unique units. And uh, let's just start with Julius. It's kind of like they took Julius before and then they sort of took the spirit of Valandor, right? And kind of like morphed it into like the new Julius version 3.0. So it's sort of like you're shorter height 3, but now you're dash 16. You're not dash 19 like the dragon, but you are defense 6. You have Dread, which is nice. You're Elite. So you're 8 attacks instead of 10, but you are Elite. Um, you're Crushing 3, which is really nice in that, you know, how often do you actually need that bigger Crushing? And the, the Dragon is Crushing 3 anyway. Iron Resolve with with Julius. I think Julius uh, is pretty competitive choice to take, depending on what you sort of want in, in reference to his, his similarity to the Dragon. I'm not quite sold on Julius, to be honest. Uh, I think if you're taking him, you're probably better off with the dragon most of the time. And it's mostly down to his 8 attacks versus the 10 of the dragon. And that's that's what hurts me the, more, the most. Even with Elite, I think the dragon pulls ahead most of the time. Uh, and the Dread's nice, but if you're already taking Urlohi or uh, Ogre Palace cards, it's not going to be the most useful thing in the world. Um, so, I mean, I definitely could be proven wrong there. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see how it pans out. Yeah, the way I think about it is uh, if you just want, like, the one flyer holding down kind of, like, a, on your delay flank, then you probably want the dragon. Because uh, the thing that always makes me nervous about Julius is his dash 16 nerve. I mean, the, the dragon has three more points of nerve, plus can get that uh, iron resolve, too. So he's just a lot more survivable um, and is less like you're less likely to lose him to a lucky nerve roll. Um, but the big downside of the dragon is he's on a 75 now. And so that makes it much more difficult to, to combo charge in with stuff versus Julius, who's large infantry. So he's 40 by 40. It's, it's not difficult at all to get him in and, and combo charges. So I think if you're trying to use one of these units in combination with other, you probably go Julius. If you're just looking for a big guy to scare things and hold them in place and take a, a beating, then you then go with the dragon. Yeah, see, I played Spirit of Alandor a lot, and what I've noticed with that guy is to get your points back, you really have to take advantage of that Defense 6 Iron Resolve and uh, or try to get into flanks where the 8 attacks become 16. But the thing with that is getting them into those positions for that Defense 6 Iron Resolve to start working with heal backup is you you got to dodge those nerve rolls. So you're completely right. In that, when you have a dash heavy dash defensive unit that does get spiked nerve rolls, you are losing a lot of points. So the dash nineteen is protecting you against that. Um, I still see a role for both dash flying defense six nimble. I mean, especially in this edition, I think is probably a little bit better than what it was in last edition, just from the overall lack of uh, or tone down on hitting power. We already mentioned Samarchris. Um, I know, Tom, you've run Nias a bunch, as have I, and I think, again, like what Kyle mentioned about the dragon, Nias is still there, but no longer do you have to pay. He doesn't come stock with heal. You can buy it as an option, so he's actually a little cheaper now. So I think he's really good still. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still definitely going to use him uh, quite often. I, I've been trying him out with the Night Horde that I've been running just because um, he can block off and some of the frontage on the night horde so people can't multi-charge um 
and he's just a he's still a beat stick. He's ten points cheaper, but pretty much the same. So. Yeah, he's good for all the reasons he was good before. Cool. Well, okay, so we've kind of touched on some units. Uh, Build-wise, what are we thinking that we're going to see sort of in this early meta? And then also, why don't you guys talk a little bit about, like, um, uh, what are you excited to test? Or what are are you sort of uh, your ideas on overall lists, how how all these sort of different components are going to work together? Uh, Tom, why don't you go first? Sure. So I think that almost every Vassalan list in version three is going to start with two hordes of Ogre Palace Guard. I mean, they're just such an important unit um, because like we were talking about before, you just can't afford to get blanked by a triple long axe build, for example. So they're 17 long axe build. 17 long axe build. (laughs) And they just, they fit so perfectly with the, uh, with the Paladin foot guard who I think are the best infantry, um, Right now, so I think that's where you're going to see a lot of lists start, is those five units, and then it's easy to say, well, I have all these units grouped up, so let's throw on a character with a healing aura, and they're all defense five, and which makes the healing even more effective, and so that's just a really, really solid core that I think a lot of people are going to gravitate toward uh, early. And then, And then the question is, what do you put around that core? And that's that's not as easy to answer. Um, I think you can go a lot of different ways. I've been doing, you know, two Alohi regiments and then uh, two pieces of chaff. So I've I've been doing the chaplains, um, two two, two mana chaplains, two Alohi regiments, and then you know that's that's kind of it. Oh, and then and then I've been doing the night horde. So I'm gonna play around with it. It's just different different pieces, but that's kind of what I think you're going to see is a little bit of cavalry, that strong center infantry core, and then just units to play, you know, delay on the flanks while the the infantry gets into whatever game-winning position you need to be in. Uh, Yeah, for me, it's going to be uh, copy-paste three regiments of Paladin Foot Guard with Aegis Fragments and Paladin Defenders for every list I make. (laughs) I just... Uh, I was taking three regiments of Paladin Foot Guard for a long time, so that's just an easy, comfortable thing for me to transition over to. Definitely taking a Horde of uh, Ogre Palace Guard. I'm not sure if I'll take two, and that's more of a modeling decision for me. It's I don't know if I can find enough unique, cool-looking models to make two different Hordes that look that won't look the same. Um, so I might just keep the Horde of pa- uh, Alohi there just because I had the models already, and it, it looks cool uh, to begin with. But I think Tom's right in the fact that you're going to have a core of of an anvil type type units, uh, and you have multiple different choices with this army, which is nice to make an anvil and have unlocks. And then what do you put around it? And I think you have a lot of good options and a lot of different ways people can play this army uh, and still be successful. Uh, so it's kind of a fun time now to to figure out what works for you, what works for the meta, uh, what can you unlock, uh, and and have fun with. Yeah, I think you guys bring up a, a couple things too, right? Which is, you know, seeing that strong infantry middle is definitely going to be a thing, along with, you know, you could go 
spear hordes. I think there's a lot of choices for if we want to sprinkle in shooting. I think that now our hero slot is huge in that we have so many great choices to pick now in the hero slot. When really, what were we talking about last time, which was I wish some of these awesome hero models from Vanguard were more playable because what heroes were we taking in the Basiland army before? You know, not many. So I think that that's really cool. I'm really interested to see if any sort of combined arm shooting with maybe double Sisterhood Scout regiments, three Battle Wizards with Lightning Bolt and Arbalists to support your other, you know, maybe you don't have as many hammers, but you have enough shooting to chip stuff down so when they do hit you, you know, your Iron Resolve will just outgrind. What I have definitely noticed in a lot of my lists, I'm seeing 24, 26, 27 unit strength. From a Basilean list, which is very high. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. That's I was playing against ogres uh, on Friday, and I actually had more unit strength. It was like this doesn't make any sense. So that that's yeah, that's gigantic. A big change for us. I think that's definitely one of the bigger things. Usually, always, especially when you were playing version two, like Ricky Bobby Basilean speed. We never, we were always down on unit strength, and the only hope was, well, I'm just going to kill your whole army and then move around. And then I went, and if I don't kill your whole army, you're going to beat me anyway, so it doesn't matter what my unit strength is. It's just, I need to make sure I can hit you as hard as possible. In general, I don't know how you guys feel. We'll go around the horn. For me, I'm really excited. I think that the list itself has more, a little bit more depth, so a little bit more interesting stuff to do. Um, granted some of the play styles has changed, but I think there is, you can do a couple different things with Basilean, whereas you could before, but you were sort of, in not taking the Alohi regiment, you knew that you were like putting an arm behind your back. It was that good. And we all, I mean, I think any reasonable minded Basilean player will tell you that that formation was sort of ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) thank you for giving it to me, but it was, it was not needed at all. So I think that I'm pretty happy with the state of the list. I think there's a bunch of stuff to explore, and I, I still think it's one of the better armies in 3rd edition. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's probably a top, top five or so army. Just it's, it's hard to tell I mean, this early, and you don't know what people are going to do or what kind of tricks they're going to figure out with, with their own lists. But it just seems like a pretty pretty good match for the direction I think the game is being moved toward. And so, so I'm pretty excited. I mean, I, I was ready to put down Basilea because I've been playing them forever, but now I'm excited again. And so I'll probably uh, you know, take them to, Ma- to the U.S. Masters and probably a couple tournaments after that next year, just because I uh, a new way to play is, is keeping the army fresh for me. Yeah, I agree that uh, I was kind of, uh, facility out. I played him for three years straight, and with version two, it was kind of like I was in. It was comfort food, you know. I was I was comfortable with. I played my army, and I kind of almost on autopilot. I knew what to do, what and where to go. But now it's a it's a new thing to figure out. And I also like how there's a lot more options in the army to play now. You've there's a lot more instead of must takes of can takes. It's good to take this, but you can also take this, and you have a lot more flavor in the list overall. Which gives, uh, you know, if you're bored of one style of play, you can stay in the same army and do a completely different style of play without having to, to, to buy a whole bunch of new models and, and change everything you know about an army and, and just keep things relatively comfortable while try, trying out vastly different play styles. And I like that. 
So we had made a post on the Hegemony of Basilea, the Kings of War Facebook group for Basilean players, but we pretty much covered most everything, but there's been a lot of great discussion in that Facebook group. So if you are a Basilean player and you're not a part of that Facebook group, definitely join it. It's a really good spot for um, uh, hot, holy uh, Basilean talk. Um, well, awesome, guys. I just want to thank you for uh, coming on to do our army review. Hopefully you guys, the audience, enjoyed what we talked about. Um, like we said, we're going to be rapid-firing these out as quickly as possible to just sort of get some initial impressions on armies. Uh, once we get a couple tournaments, we will be bringing back List Builder Studio to do some more uh, in-depth list design Fourth third, once uh, the footing gets under us and we have, um, you know, we saw Armies of Panathor still has to come out, right, guys? You know, who knows how that's going to influence things. So this is Jeremy Duvall reporting live from Tom Annis' house, and it is not on fire, no matter what what Steve Hildrew would have you believe. <laughs> Love um, you, Steve. Yeah, uh, we all do. So remember, keep counter-charging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on... Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.